0: Thank you, Christopher. You're a student. You're dismissed. go with Weldon. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, friend. Morning, everyone. Morning, Aunt Linda. Hello. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We greet you in the name of our Savior, the one that we've been singing about. It's gonna be a day, isn't it, when we stand before the throne of God and we see trillions and trillions of angels falling down before the throne of God, and billions and billions of people um, following suit. And um, yeah,
1: they sang open up the heavens, we want to see you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. How wonderful and, take this away, I mean it, and awful that mm-hmm. would be at the same moment. I thought about the other day, the sky's so blue. Mm-hmm. It's just so blue these days, and I was walking, and I just thought about that image of the split sky, mm-hmm. and how wonderful filled with wonder, Mm -hmm. and how filled with awe, and maybe a tiny, tiny bit of terror. Holy, do you know what I mean?
0: Is there anything really that we long for, truly long for, that's worthy of our longing, That doesn't include a little bit of terror. Standing back there in the back of the building waiting for the organ to play or the piano to play so you can walk down the aisle and marry some woman and you're hoping to goodness that you know what you're doing. You want it more than you can I can remember 40 years ago wanting that more than I could breathe. But it's scary. Anybody that Doesn't think it's scary. hadn't been married, Um, having a baby. I can remember, golly, sucker! Bill, East Hospital. They used to have the babies born down in the basement, and that's where Rainy was born. And uh, why in the world they screwed up a great deal that had been going on for six or seven thousand years, and they wanted me to be in the room with her. (laughs) I will never understand that. But that was. That wasn't an option. She said, they,
1: "Mr. Ray, would you like to come see your daughter yeah, be born?" And yeah. he said, "I would not."
0: I would not, but it, but it no, really thank was. Thank you. It, one of those, it was one of those questions. It's not a question. You know, you yeah, you're coming. And so I went, and it was it was it was it was good, but it was really wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it was really terrifying. It was it was it was wonderful, but extra terrifying, for, to be honest with you. Um, you know, anything anything that that. That you can imagine moving away from home. Um, Anything that's worth. (laughs) Our awe. And and real amazement. Real. uh, You know. I don't mean eating cotton candy at the fair. Uh, I mean real stuff. There's always an, an aspect of. Terror or fear uh, that goes along with it or it wouldn't be wonderful, truly wonderful. And those songs are talking about desiring that, longing for that. Like I desired to marry you, like I desired to have a little baby girl.
1: Actually really wanting to see the glory of God is, is what we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah. Speaking of desire... I was reading that story, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, where um, David was desiring that water, yeah. that, that well water from Bethlehem. You remember that story? Are you know, you're familiar with that? Tell, tell them that story.
1: I think I'm just going to read it from 2 okay. Samuel, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, so once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley. The three who were among the 30 in the elite group went down to meet him there. And David was staying in the stronghold at the time. A Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. So he was not in his hometown. They had Bethlehem and he was outside of it. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well at the gate in Bethlehem. So he's longing for it. He's yearning for it. And so the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well at the gate in Bethlehem and brought it back. But he refused to drink it and poured it out as an offering to the Lord. Claimed The Lord forbid that I should drink this. This water is as precious to me as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. The point of the story is he had wanted this water that he grew up drinking. It was better water.
0: He grew up probably just, the well was probably right outside his, You know, just around the corner, and And
1: he was exiled from his home, and the enemy had taken his home, and he couldn't get home, and the taste of home, and he he longed. He was in a cave; he couldn't be home, and he longed for home, that water,
0: that Uh, yearning. It struck me just that he was hiding, uh, and uh, the Philistines had captured his hometown, and he wanted, he desired more than anything that water that he'd grown up drinking. That, when he was a boy, probably taken it taken for granted, but now he'd give anything for it. Uh, that longing, that desire for that water that he had known so um, intimately as a boy. Um, yeah. I was just thinking about his mighty men, those three mighty men that gave him that literally David even said that water represents their blood. It was so dangerous for them to go and get that well water and bring it back to David but they loved him so much and wanted so much to, uh, to bless him that they went and risked their lives to get that well water and bring it back. Um, I wonder if those three men, those three mighty men of David's Wonder if their children or their brides would ever be confused again as to what was their first love. If you ask one of those boys, one of those boys, one of the boys or children of those three men that had done that, who, who, who does your dad love the most? I think that is it. I can tell you right now who he loves the most. He loves David. They would litter, he would risk his life to get David a glass of water from that well. Man, he must love David. Well, I, wanna, I want us to talk for a little while this morning just about our desires, what we desire most in life. Uh, Shirley made me watch the Alabama football game last night. Another: we horrifying. watched two
1: games at the same time. It was
0: horrifying, but uh, Anyway, we watched them. And um, If you, she didn't promise me kisses, then I wouldn't have watched them, but she did, so I, so I did. Um, there were, I don't know, 90,000 people in each of those stadiums. There was no confusion as to what they desired. Not not nobody was going, hey, what, what what's your greatest desire right now? Very obvious what those people desired most, right? H- have you ever thought about how at different stages in your life you desire most different things? I can remember when I was six years old, I grew up in a family of hunters. And my dad, my grandfather, my, everybody, everybody in my family, every male in my family. I don't think any of the women hunted at the time. But, every, man, I wanted a shotgun literally worse than, I wanted it more than anything. And I got my first shotgun when I was six years old. Still, still have it, by the way. And a little 410 single shot shotgun and, and uh, uh, man I wanted and I, a few years later I wanted a horse I grew up watching westerns I wanted a horse so badly and uh, I got a horse and um, I remember uh, wanting a car I, I bought a little white Buick uh, 1968 Buick Special it was a piece of crud um, but I think I paid four hundred dollars for it, and uh, I, I wanted a car so bad I could taste it. And then I, I wanted, I wanted her. I wanted to date her, and worked on that for several years before the project was completed. But I, but I again I, I, the <laughs> Willie Nelson T-shirt. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, I, I adapted <laughs> and changed and. Um, but I wanted her more than anything, and just how I'm sure you can think back through the stages of your life. Whether it was to go to get away from home, go to a certain school, finish school, uh, start a career, start a family. For some of us, we're wanting to end our career. For some of us, we're wanting to reach a certain pinnacle or level at that career, but. You you understand that makes sense. Yes. Anything you can identify with as far as?
1: No, I just think isn't that isn't that kind of at the core of being a human being? Maybe that we have certain things that we desire, and they vary from age to age, perhaps. And isn't that what? I don't think this is where the sermon's going, but isn't that what happened? Even just in from the very beginning in the garden, they desired something. We desire things we can't have we yearn for things we can't see don't have sometimes get sometimes don't get so i think it's at the, the core of being a human being yes yearning for yes. something
0: well and this is not where the, the lessons go in but i think the the one of the the underlying greatest themes that runs through the scripture is that God created us with a longing for something and everything on this planet is just a little appetizer for it there's nothing on this planet of all those things I I, you couldn't give me a horse <laughs> right Now, <laughs> I don't want a Buick special, 1968 Buick special. I'd, uh, you know, I, I, now I'd like to keep her, but uh, but uh, just about every other longing in my life, I no longer want that. But there, it, by the very fact that we long for something that we cannot satisfy on this Earth is one of God's ways of declaring to us, there is something that will satisfy you. Will you trust me? Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to seek? Like Abraham, he didn't know where he was going. He just knew that he wanted something other than what he had. And he launched out following the voice of God. So that's a great, that's a great word. Um, in Psalm 90 y'all, those of you that come regularly you know that I refer back to Psalm 90 often it's because it's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible and it's filled with so many great thoughts and ideas to, that God wants us to wrestle with but one of the things that stands out in Psalm 90 is that uh, right in the middle of it The writer says, he goes, Lord, may we, your servants, see your miraculous power, but may our children and grandchildren see your glory. God, we want your miraculous power. To fight our battles, build our farms, create successful businesses. We we want your miraculous power. We need it to, to get through life and to conquer life. But don't you want something better for your kids? And he stops and he goes, God, as great as that is, What I want even more than your power. I want my children and my grandchildren to see your glory. That's even better than your power. I want you to give my children and grandchildren the ability to see your glory. That's what Moses wanted remember in Exodus 33 God and Moses are dialoguing and uh, Moses just it's almost like it's out of the blue it's just sort of it's in the middle of a conversation where God is talking with Moses and instructing Moses and all of a sudden Moses just says uh, God I want to see your glory do you you have that can you read that Yep. Moses says now
1: show me your glory And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Yahweh.
0: I will declare my name, Yahweh, to you. Yep. Yep. Did you get... Be careful. I'm not denying that there are a handful of times in the Bible where the idea of glory... Involves um, uh, a luminous light, of uh, uh, some kind of a some kind of a visible something that you can see, like a, a cloud. When the glory of God filled the temple, when Moses was up on the mountain outside now, and he was enveloped by that by the glory of God, that cloud. There are a handful of times where the Bible is talking about the glory of God and it you, you could see it but notice Moses says god would you show me your glory and god says i will but he didn't say magic cloud float down luminous rays of heavenly light shine that's not what it says God, would you show me your glory? Yes, I will. And then it says, I will show you my goodness and my name. I will show you both of which represent God's character, God's essence, God's worth, God's value, God's beauty. The whole point of this is Moses, I'm going to show you my glory, but it doesn't have to do with visible light beams or mystical clouds. It has to do with I'm going to reveal to you who I am at my core. The fact that I am eternal, that I am faithful, that I am loved, that I possess all power. The fact that I would never tell, I would never make you a promise and not fulfill it. I would never tell you a lie. I would never betray you. I would never stop loving you. I would never stop forgiving you. God says to Moses, I will give you the desire of your heart. I will reveal to you my glory. And God did.
1: I will show you my goodness.
0: My goodness. Who I am at my core. Bible says multiple times that God has no greater... The way David desired the water at the Bethlehem well, that's the way God desires to show us His glory. If you're wondering what God... Now, if you're wondering what God's up to, well, you better take a seat and bring a lunch because it's going to take a long time. He's up to a lot of stuff. But if you're wondering what God wants more than anything in His relationship with you, Brent, you don't have to take a lot of time. God tells us what He wants more than anything, and that is for you and I to behold and enjoy and reflect his glory. Do you get that? Do I do I do I see that? Do I accept that? That what God wants for me more than anything is to know Him at His essence, at His core. What when you poke God, what does He bleed? That's that's what God, that's the idea. When you poke God, what comes out of his heart? What are his passions and goals and dreams and delights? Who is he? In Isaiah, God says, bring to me all who claim me as their God. For I have created them for my glory. Paul says in Romans 9 God will reveal his glorious riches for all those that he has prepared in advance for his glory. In 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 2 God says or Paul says God has called you into his very own glorious kingdom. The calling of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God for my life and your life is that we would live in a, 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 an environment, a kingdom of glory. A kingdom that every brick, every bar, every ceiling, every uh, stone, every window, every door, every countertop, every cupboard. A kingdom that reflects the glory of God. That's God's desire. That's God's plan. That's God's will for our lives. And isn't it funny? comes to mind when I say to you that God created us to live our lives in the presence of his glory? Adam and Eve. God created them so that every day... They had things to do. They had responsibilities. They had work to do. They weren't just sitting around on a lily pad meditating on a dewdrop. They had stuff to do. They were active. They were busy. They had responsibilities. But at the end of every day, they walked in the garden in the presence of the glory of God. That's how God created mankind. And isn't it funny? That's how God ends the story of the Bible. What is heaven going to be? It's going to be like, I don't know if it's going to be a, but it'll be like a city. It'll be like a city that we will dwell in and there'll be no need for light. There'll be no need for the sun or the moon or the stars. There'll be no need for light switches or lamps. Why? Because the inhabitants of the city will dwell in. In the presence of God. There'll be no need. Darkness cannot abide there. There'll be no darkness. Forever and ever and ever. There'll be no darkness. Because darkness can't abide. In the presence of God. The Bible begins with this image. The Bible ends with this image. I think it's very important for us to remember. That at the end of the day. who if you want to, if you want to know what the glory of God looks like, where should you look? Now, my bride reminds me at least weekly, where can you look and see the glory of God? Miss Prissy probably daily <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the nature, the world declares his glory.
0: The sky and the stars and you yeah, and all that we're walking along and. We're talking. All she'll, say, she'll say, are you looking at this? No, are he's you? not
1: looking at this. Yeah, That's not. why not, I say it. I'm not.
0: You, are you looking at this? Are you looking at these stars? Are you looking at these this blue sky? Are you looking at these clouds? Are you looking at these trees? Are you listening to the birds? And most often, I'm not. I'm blowing and going and busy and trying to accomplish stuff. But anyway. If, if nature, in its... in its Psalm 19, just so we, everybody knows. Yep. Psalm 19 says what she's saying. Psalm 19 validates that she is right. Not great for me to be reminded of that, but yes, she is right. Uh, that the, the Psalm 19, the psalmist says that the heavens, all of God's creation, declares the glory of God.
1: That's it. So the, the, the easy and the hard, the beautiful and the, the, the tumultuous, all of it. Uh, but that is why I got so, and I'm going to say it again, that's why I got so excited and gobstopped at the eclipse. Because it was profoundly, almost scary. Um, and and um, sometimes, again, you look. I hope that you have a minute to look. The other day at school, I looked up, and the sky was blue, and there was a red tree in front of it. And I just had to stop a minute and see it to know. The, it's hard to explain, isn't it? But that, that overwhelming beauty, we can't we literally can't describe it. Is a part of what we're supposed to be doing here
0: Mm -hmm.
1: looking at what just and if this is just a picture of it Mm -hmm. oh my goodness
0: yeah I was just thinking about how that that which God created for us to behold and to see his glory it's there but you only see it if you're looking. I'm going along right beside her, looking in the same direction, but I'll miss it every time. I will miss it unless she reminds me to look. She sees it because she's looking for it. What a, what a powerful reminder that God has provided means, sources, venues, through which we can behold the glory of God. But we only see it if we're looking for it. The the um, gift given in the uh,
1: the Garden of Eden, Mm. one of them anyway, was choice. Yes. That's the gift. And how we exercise that choice, what we choose to slow and see... Or, or not.
0: Mm. And the consequence of no longer wanting, no longer valuing, no longer treasuring those afternoon walks in the garden in the presence of the glory of God, when they were no longer valued as utmost value, they were lost. And they no longer could walk in the garden in the presence of the glory of God. The Bible would suggest, or that's not fair, the Bible would declare that if you really want to see the glory of God in its most perfect form, we need to look into the face of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible declares, reflects and displays the glory of God in a way that you're never going to look at a star or a tree or the ocean or a mountain or the sky and and, and go, wow, God loves me. You will go, wow, God is wise. Wow, God is powerful. Wow, God is involved. But you won't, you won't, no, no, no. That's why he sent Jesus. To clarify any confusion as to how God feels about you. The Bible says in Hebrews 1 that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's being. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 the light of the gospel is displayed in the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And a little further down in the same chapter he says God's glory is displayed in the face of Christ. God wants more than anything for you and I to behold and experience and enjoy and grasp and reflect His glory. Isn't it amazing that it's the exact same desire that Jesus has. Jesus wants us to behold and grasp and enjoy and reflect His glory. He wants that more than, listen to what uh, uh, Jesus says in John 14, Father, uh, John 17, excuse me, John 17, Father, I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory which you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. That's what Jesus wants. That's what Jesus asked His Father. Rather than saying, Father, could we come up with another plan instead of this dying on the cross plan? What Jesus was praying for was that you and I would see His glory. There'll be a day, it's what Christopher was encouraging us to sing about today. There'll be a day when we see Him face to face. In Romans 5, Paul says, Through Christ, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of God's glory. We as Christians, we, we are living in a foreign land. We're not living in that city that Revelation uh, 20 and 21 and 22 talk about, we're living in a foreign land. So we're not beholding the glory of God like we will one day and forever. Right now we're living in a place of hope. Our hope in the glory of God. Jude, Jesus' half-brother, said in verse 24, God will present you blameless before the presence of God of His glory with great joy. God will present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. And then finally Paul says in Titus 2, our blessed hope is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is this glory that we will one day enjoy, we will one day experience, but we can't see it now. It's it's we're, we're not in a place where we could enjoy it. So right now, the Bible would suggest that we are beholding the glory of God as if we're looking through a, a dirty glass or a a, 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 a mirror that, that's not really a great mirror, okay? It, we can see it, we can see the reflection, we can see it, but it's, it's not like it's going to be. It's dim. It, thank you, thank you. It's dim and you can see it, you can see it when you look at creation you can see it in different ways um, we can see it by beholding the face of Jesus you want to see the glory of God what's God look like what's God, what's, what, is, what happens when you cut God and he bleeds what comes out look at the life of Jesus when we behold the face and the life of Jesus it's what Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 we all with unveiled faces are beholding the Lord's glory and as we do We are being transformed into his image with increasing glory. Remember, Cherry and I are walking along. I'm conquering the world, thinking thoughts, making decisions, planning plans. God's glory is everywhere around me. I'm not looking for it, I'm missing it. It's there, but I'm missing it. She sees it because she's looking for it every morning you and I have the choice to start our day by beholding the glory of God. By opening up the book of John, or Mark, or Luke, or Matthew, and studying the life of the Son of God. And as we study His life, as we read about His actions, His behaviors, His relationships, His priorities, His teachings, literally we are beholding the glory of God And it's been my experience that people that behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus in the Gospels, day after day after day after day, something begins to happen in their life. It softens them. It changes them changes how they love people. It changes how they treat people. It changes how they talk. It changes their priorities. It changes like when Moses was in that tent in the presence of God and over time in that, in that tent in the presence of God, when he would come out his countenance was, became different. We behold the glory of God now by looking into the face and the life of Jesus. Interestingly enough, the Bible also suggests that we experience the glory of God not only by looking into the face of Jesus, but by enduring suffering like God wants us to, which is the opposite of the way I endure suffering. I complain, I get mad, I blame. I wonder why I doubt God, I doubt God's love, I doubt her love. But the Bible says that when you and I experience suffering and we go through it believing that this is a part of God's plan for our lives and that we respond to it as a as a means that God uses to change us into the image of his son and we literally Because we believe that so strongly, we can rejoice in our suffering rather than complaining and blaming and running from our suffering. The Bible says that if we will see our suffering as a tool that God is using, not randomly or by accident, but as a a surgeon would choose a knife on a table specifically designed for that person and that surgery, that as we see our suffering through that lens and we respond appropriately, literally we begin to bear the glory of God. And you, I'm going to read this verse to you in a minute just to make sure some of you are going, I'm not sure that will... Hold on. Um, but let me... Don't you know that to be, in, to be fundamentally true? People that have gone through deep, long-term suffering... And they've done it trusting in the grace and the power and the wisdom and the love of God. Don't they have us? Isn't their countenance different? There's a a softness. There's a gracefulness. There's a wisdom. There's a, a richness, a deepness in the life of a person who experiences great suffering. But they do it through the lens of the glory of God. Listen to what um, uh, Peter says. Rejoice in the suffering of Christ as His glory is joyfully revealed in your life. The suffering reveals the glory. Second Peter 4. Our temporary and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that outweighs everything else in life. And then Paul says in Romans 8, If we share in the sufferings of Christ, we will also share in His glory. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God would say, you want to see, you want to experience, you want to be changed by the glory of God? Look into the face of my son. Study his life. Get to know him. Understand how he lived and what he said and how he treated people. And you embrace it. And the glory of God will begin to rest on your life. You want the glory of God in your life? Approach suffering. as as if it's a gift, as if it's a tool, as as if it's something that God is using to impact you and transform you and you will reflect the glory of God. I could give you other means of how we can experience the glory of God But for the sake of time, I want to leave you with one. Remember, I started this lesson off today. We were talking about David and his mighty men. And I asked the question, if you ask those three men's children, or their wives, what does your husband love most? What does your dad love most? Or if you asked Isaac. Isaac, what does your dad love most? Oh yeah, you mean the man that took me up on a mountain and because he had heard the voice of God, he raised up a knife and was about to cut me in half. I can tell you what my dad loves most. The one that spoke to him. Those men, David's mighty men. What, what, what does you, your dad love most? I can tell you what my dad loves most. He loves that guy, that crazy, crying, uh, giant-killing, songwriting uh, king. He loves that guy more than anybody. When we choose day in and day out, what we believe God loves most. We, I believe, reflect the the glory of God in a way that our children will never forget. They might not like it. They might not understand it. They might not agree with it. But when you and I get up every day, and like Paul, or like Jesus said in Matthew 16, if you're gonna be my disciple, I want you to pick up your cross, and I want you to die every day. And if you do, you're gonna experience true and eternal life. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I master my body and my life to gain an incomparable prize that will last forever. Paul said again in Philippians 3 I view everything on this planet as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus said in that parable you wanna reflect my glory You want people to have no misunderstanding about what you value most. What is your true desire and passion in life? Be like a man or a woman who's walking down the road and looked over in a field. And they saw a treasure sticking up out of the dirt. And they instantly realized that that treasure had immeasurable worth. More worth and value than anything they'd ever seen before. And they ran home and they sold everything they had to buy that treasure. Do we... God has nothing that he values as much as you and I. Seeing experiencing and reflecting His glory. Jesus asked His dad more than for anything else, Dad, I want Him to see my glory. And there'll be a day when we will experience His glory like Adam and Eve did in the garden and we'll do it forever. But today, today, our wives and our husbands and our children and our parents and our grandparents and our neighbors and our co-workers we're all beholden excuse my French crap temporary fading deteriorating crap stuff that today seems more valuable than gold And in a week, nobody will even remember it. And God says, if you'll just treasure my glory, I promise you, it'll satisfy you in a way that nothing on this earth can, and it will last forever. I want you to behold. I want you to enjoy. I want you to reflect. Because we live in a world that desperately needs to be shown that there is something that's more. Something that lasts. Something that will satisfy. And that's the glory of God. Thank you. We're going to offer you a little cup that's got a piece of bread at the top and some wine in the bottom. And we do this really out of obedience to what the Lord Jesus said, that when you gather together in my name, take bread and wine and eat and drink and remember what I did for you when I died on the cross. The bread represents his body. The wine represents his blood. Y'all go right on. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Becky. I was just thinking today about how Jesus set this up. My son-in-law is a preacher. I'd love to be as good a preacher as him. Maybe one day when I grow up I will be. We argue, fight, (laughs) disagree, and we are always talking about theology and we were talking about the Lord's Supper. And uh, he said, you know, Lad, there's no other religion, there's no other belief system, there's no other science, there's no other... Jesus chose something incredibly unique. Bread and wine to represent His life his sacrifice on the cross. And to communicate to us how He wants us to benefit from this. He doesn't say, did everybody bring your bottle of wine and your loaf of bread? Everybody, did everybody? Did you bring your own? Did, every, did everybody bring some money to buy? I, 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 well, it's not here. I got a whole tray uh, here for sale. Or, alright, how many of y'all worked 20 hours this week for the church or for God? You, you get, you get some. No, no, no. Would you like some? But you don't know what I did this week. You don't know about my past. You don't know about my struggles. You don't know how broken I am. You, you don't know. Would you like... That which represents my glory, all you have to do is come and receive and experience. No matter what, man, woman, black, white, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, American, Brazilian, French, even they can be, no. Um, um, it's a joke. Um, it doesn't matter. Jesus offers His life to us all and all we have to do is receive it as a free gift. And He invites you to do so and nothing would give Him greater joy than today if you said, you know, I'm not sure I've ever really put my trust in His death on the cross. I want to do that today. Just, just while the fellows are playing and singing, just in the quietness of the moment, just say, Lord Jesus, I've got more questions than answers, more doubts than confidence. But somehow I believe that you are the Son of God and you died on the cross and I trust in that to get me to heaven, to forgive my sins and to get me to heaven. And if you mean that, I'm telling you the God that woke up one morning before breakfast and created the universe will come and live in your life and be your friend and take you to be with Him to behold His glory forever I promise you I promise you because he promised me so you eat you drink you remember you give thanks and you receive eternal life today if that is your need